To the first ever Geldesy Baseball Podcast. This is it. I am your host, Jeff Geld. I'm here with the commissioner, Noah Seth Hello. Gelderonius. And, you know, we're all here just trying to somehow beat Max Barton uh, year after year. And we wanted to put together a little podcast um, because after the draft, I think there was a couple people that wanted some content to talk about how the draft went what to look forward to in the new season, the wins and the losses from this year's draft. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tackle all that stuff. And Noah, yes, hello. What do you think? How do, how how do you think the draft went overall? I thought it went great. I had a, a I had a fifty inch screen with me, so I was prepared. I felt more prepared than ever before, so that was good for me. And uh, I thought it went really smoothly. ESPN has finally kind of caught up to us, so that made life a lot easier. I'm not doing, struggling to do push-ups anymore. <laughs> well, um, I think the best way to do this is to start, you know, with the 12th pick and kind of work our way backwards and talk about each team, some of the wins, some of the losses, and some of the biggest reaches of the draft. So to start, let's go to uh, Houston No Mask, Mr. Arthur Thomas. So the way I looked at it, I kind of took more time than I really wanted to. Uh-huh. And I went and broke it all down. I, what I would consider good and bad picks. And I went and looked at 80. Anyway, I took more time than I should. And I bro- I gave each person a best value and then their biggest reach. And then what I thought was their best pick of the draft. So something I like to call a compliment sandwich. I'll give you a good thing and then a bad thing and then a good thing. What do you think? I love it. So basically what you're saying is you took the time to diagnose everyone's draft, to look at their teams. You're going to give us the be- your overall best pick for them, your biggest reach, as you Correct. say, and their best value pick. Their best value pick. But I took best value into consideration. I thought lots of times about, could this person be a keeper next year? Drafted later on. So taking that into consideration... I gave Arthur's best value as Wilson Contreras, who he drafted in the 19th round. It was the 229th pick of the draft. It seemed like it was one of the last catchers drafted. And his ADP was 120 going into this draft. So he got him 100 picks past what everyone else in the world's doing. And we all know the catcher is a controversial position. You know, Barton likes to keep that empty. But yeah, I think for a late round, a late round catcher pick, that was that's solid. You know, it fills the hole. Yeah, there's not really much competition there, so he's going to get three fourths of the at bats coming from the position over the course of the year. And um, he was able to get the catcher so late in the draft that he was able to take care of other stuff early, which I thought was good for him. Okay, so let's move on to the biggest reach. I think it sticks out like a sore thumb. Jose Altuve had to be a homer pick. There's nothing more I could think past that when he took him. He took him at the beginning of the second round at the 13th pick overall. And do you do you recall what his ADP is? His ADP was 60 oh. going into the draft. Yeah. If you look at what, who is still on the board, Albies was still on the board. Mance Muncy was still on the board. 
Merrifield was still on the board, and those are three second basemen I had rated above Altuve this year. He is an aging bat on an aging lineup, which isn't working out for him so well in the future. And he no longer steals bases. He doesn't get on nearly as much. And so he's lost a couple of his tools. And I think it was just way, way too early. I totally agree. And, you know, you named a couple other second basemen that were still around. But you look at who overall was still around. And you have Manny Machado. You have Walker Bueller. You have some of the top-tier pitchers. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I also think the pitcher tier drops off pretty dramatically after the top 15. So if you could get one of those players, then that's what I would have done. I should note, too, before we move on to his best pick, Arthur's first pitcher pick wasn't until the fifth round when he took Yu Darvish. Which actually had good value in Yu Darvish that late. Okay, so that's the biggest reach. What would you say Arthur Thomas's biggest, best pick of the draft was? Arthur Thomas' best pick came late, came in the 15th round. Oh, wow. He scooped up Alex Kirloff, the outfielder for the Twins. Every list I've seen of up-and-comers, he's on... He's on every list. I don't think I've seen a list without his name on there. He's going to pick up first base eligibility in our league, which is huge. So now it's first base and outfield. He's going to get all the at-bats. He is the, their left fielder now. Rosario's gone. You know, he resigned with the Braves. So that's his, his job to keep as far as I'm concerned. And that late 15th round, that, that screams keeper to me. If he has a nice year. And you think about Minnesota just adding Carlos Correa, so that's going to strengthen the protection that he's going to have, at least in that lineup. Absolutely. Uh, take some of the pressure off of him as a youngster. All right, so that was Arthur. Moving on, we have Brandon Hart, the steroid era, who had a really strong 2021 season. Behind um, Our newest member of the league. Rookie of the year for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. Walk away with the Royd, no doubt. So uh, let's let's dive right in. Okay, so David, first of all, we must note yep. that he did not have a first-round pick. Why not? Why didn't he have a first-round pick? Because I had his first-round yes, pick. Yes, you did. Okay, go on. So, okay, so starting with best value, it happened early, actually. Yeah. He got Lindor at the end of the third round. Yeah. I think if there's anyone in the league that's bound to have a bounce back here, it's got to be Francisco Lindor. He's just too good to keep hitting 220. I agree completely. When he went over after he left the, the, the Cleveland Baseball Club, I felt like he had a lot of pressure on him. He's the, he's the kind of guy that plays loose. And so I feel like if he gets tight and gets too much in his head, he's, he's not going to perform. And then you add the, the change from a small market in Cleveland to a giant market in New York. I just think the pressure got to him, but he's clearly one of the best players. I think he was players. overwhelmed that he didn't want to admit it. Yeah, absolutely. He's clearly one of the best players in the league. He, he's, he's in a very uh, uh, shallow position at shortstop, meaning he, there's not too many you know top-tier offensive shortstops out there. Yeah, that's definitely a great, great, great value pick. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I always like filling those middle infield spots if you can earlier in the draft because they thin out very quickly. Very quickly. The tears drop tremendously between two and three there. And I think it was just last year that he was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. He was a top 10 pick three years in a row. He's only 28 years old. So just thinking about possibly being able to keep Lindor in the third round next year. That's tremendous. I think that's, that's a great pick. Now, 
when it comes to, to Mr. Hart's biggest reach, I have to remind you, he didn't have a first round pick. True. Meaning there's holes that you have to fill. Yes. There are important holes that you have to fill. The one hole that you, you should be caring very little about, and maybe I'm foreshadowing for another person, you can't be drafting a closer in the fourth round when you don't have a first round pick. Yeah. There is too much priority other where other places on the field. Now Liam Hendricks might be the best closer out there, or one of, but it's just way too early. Fourth round, 38th pick. And I can't justify a closer that round no matter how good he is. I think mean, that's a very strong, strong selection for your biggest reach, definitely. I think he could have gotten the value much later on and, and filled a hole that is more pressing. When it comes to a fourth round pick, the closer position is funny too, right? Because, you know, it does help you out in other categories, but it really is one category that you're filling. And, you know, early on in the season, closer roles are, become established. Look who's drafted after him. Okay. Yeah. Sterling Marte was drafted right after him. Jose Abreu drafted after him. Trevor Story after him. There's too much value on the board to be drafting a closer. That, that early. Okay, well, I'm scared to hear what you say about my team because I picked one in the fifth round, but go on. No, don't worry. Let's move on to his... You sure did. Let's, you sure did. <laughs> let's let's yeah. move on to, to Brandon's best pick. <laughs> so I think Brandon's best pick was Brandon's last pick. Roman Lariano. Now, he is suspended for the first 28 games because he's a cheater. But once <laughs> his suspension's over... His ADP was 241 going into the draft, and he got him at 299. And my thought is, with your last picker, with your last pick, you're shooting for, could this guy be a keeper? That's got, got to be what your, eye, your eyes are mm-hmm. on. And I think, I think it screams keeper value if he can do what he was starting to do before he got hurt at the, uh, towards the middle of last year. Well, overall, do you think he... Do you think he was able to um, make up for the fact that he didn't have a first round pick with the rest of his draft? Or do, do you, uh, what do you think there? I think Brandon set himself up solid enough where he, he, he's a guy that knows how to work the wire for sure. So he will keep himself competitive. I can't see it, him slipping, you know, past the middle of the middle of the pack. And surely he could stay competitive. And I know there's health issues, but Justin Verlander in the tenth round is is would be my value pick for Brandon. I, I think that that's if he can stay healthy, tenth round Justin Verlander might be a, a solid absolutely a solid pick. coming off of a uh, uh, surgery. Coming off surgery, Tommy, the Tommy John, the Tommy John, the Tommy John, the Tommy John, the, the Tommy John surgery there. All right, moving on to one of the perennial favorites. To finish in the bottom of the league, the owner and general manager of DL15 Chasers, Mr. Gene Zaborowski. Welcome to the show, Gene. That is Gene with the J, right? Yes, of course. Gene with the J. Yep, yep. Noah had it right this whole time. So, Gene, first, I just want to know how you feel you did overall in the draft this year. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Just looking at the draft and all the teams. I think I can safely say I probably had the best draft in the league. Looking at the value that I received in the late rounds after stacking with offense and all those 
amazing pitchers that I got. Yeah, what was your strategy going into this going into this year's draft? Big names. Big names, guys with chips on their shoulders, like Bellinger, fourth round, great pickup. Uh, Yelich in the third, even better. Fucking Mondesi, 11th. But I guarantee you, you will be hearing Bellinger's name in the first month of the season. He may slow down after that, but in the first month, I'm going to have some really good... Uh, some good equity on him. So now I'm going to send him right to you, I Noah. I have to say, Gene, going into yeah. in the draft room, when everything was going down, we had five or six guys in Tulsa. When you picked uh, Whit Merrifield in the second round, it made some noise. It made some noise. So <laughs> those are ruckus. It did. Those are ruckus. We would, like, we would like for you to defend that pick, if you could. So I go big for the possibility of five tool players. You know, somebody like Mondesi. Home runs, runs, RBIs, stolen bases. I mean, not so much RBIs, but a guy who's on base all the time. I align him with somebody like Whit Berryfield, but somebody who actually stays healthy. And he's got second base eligibility as, as well as outfield. And honestly, for the first time in many years, as I can remember, I am stoked about my team. Stoked. And I'm not saying this just to fucking it. get views stoked. and all this crap. You know, start a ruckus. I am extremely excited for my team. I think you got it. I think you got a solid squad for sure. Solid squad. For I sure. Think, I think we all have a little bit different different definitions of five tools. You know, you know, with Merrifield projected to get 14 home runs, 64 RBIs, but that's okay. Let's move on to <laughs> Noah's. To Noah. <laughs> okay, show me a team that has had more than 50 percent of their drafted team six months into the season. At the end of the day, it's all about who we're going to get off the wire. If we know if we know anything, it's that Gene sleeps next to the wire. All right, so let's move on. So, so no, what what did you say was Gene's best value pick? I think he got he nailed it when he said Alberto Mondesi. Yeah, of course, he gets a guy who got fifty stolen bases in the tenth round. His ADP was was seventy. And Gene sweeps in at 119 to grab him. Well Thank done. you, sir. Thank you, well sir. Done. Thank you, sir. And there, there was a ruckus. I mean, there was a ruckus too there. Everyone said, how the hell did we miss yeah. that? Yeah. But Gene just of course. I don't know why everybody yeah, slept dude. on him. I I even said that I was interested in him. And you guys just let him pass. Let him pass. It's it was a- it was very weird. And then. Well, one thing's for sure. You're going to win stolen bases every week. I can tell you that. All right. Moving on to the biggest reach. We all know what Gene's biggest reach was. With Merrifield, not a second round pick. Okay. Sorry, bro. Never. Sorry, bro. Hey, He's just not. Hey, you know what? I think with that reach, I I am probably in the top twenty for all time most reaches. So I'm okay with that. Definitely not in the top five. So not that we keep track of, you know, all the reaches. Okay. So what I what I <laughs> what I'm trying to say is someone's probably done a lot worse. So it's fair. All right. And and finally, Gene Zabrowski's. Best pick of the draft. His best his best pick was his first pick. It was sitting there for him on a silver platter. Vlad Jr., there you go. Didn't fuck it up. That's all. I mean, that's as good as we can say. He's a team builder. Yeah. I was proud of him. He it's it's for it's Gene Gene is an overthinker, if anything. Yeah, he is. And the fact that he didn't yeah. reach for like uh Jose Ramirez or something was I had to applaud it. He took the best player on the board. Well done. Well, because I knew, I knew after that it was going to be all 
it was going to be a lot of reaches. So I figured, you know, hey, get this guy, home runs, RBIs, guaranteed. If he stays healthy, you know, I align Vladi with Jose Abreu. And I think the same value is is right there. So if I played it a little bit so smarter, I probably should have kept Abreu and went for somebody else in the first round. Or had two fucking power first basements. Who knows? All right, well, Gene, final thoughts. All right, what, what are you, what is your what are your final thoughts on on this year and wh- what to expect and, and how you're feeling? I'm feeling good for Noah Geld. I'm feeling good for Noah Geld. I'm feeling good for Noah Geld. I am. I am. He had a. I think it's the year. But Jeff Geld has got a sleeper team, you know. So we'll see what happens. Every single year, Jeff always has a really good draft. He's he's really excited. He always gets down to that point where he trades away his whole team because he thinks this is the year. But I think this year he's going to sneak in. So don't count the gelds out. Well, thank you, Mr. Zaborowski. All right. So next up, moving right along, we have Badman's McNally and Max Fisher. I thought Max showed up. Man, he showed up. He had yeah. a draft. I wrote down right at the top of my, my little paper here. This is the draft. I struggled to find anything terrible when I was doing it. So, And he was worried about drafting. He said he's he likes to draft alone. Well, it seems like he stepped up to the moment. And yeah, he was in the house with us, and I think he had one of his best drafts to date. So He added to the atmosphere. I enjoyed his company. A hundred percent. I think everybody needs to come to the draft. Whoever's not coming come to the draft on. is missing out. I mean, it's it's a time. Come to the come draft. To the fucking draft. All right, let's dive right into Max Fisher. So who? Okay, best who, value. Best value. Let's hear it. Max Fisher's twelfth round pick, hundred thirty ninth overall. Javi Baez, overlooked uh, by everybody again. ADP is sixty eight. I think moving from the Cubs to Detroit is going to do him. A massive favor. It's going to take him out of the spotlight, which I don't think he thrives in. I think he gets anxious at the plate when he feels like the pressure's on him. And I think Detroit's a perfect spot for him. He got paid. He's got nothing to bitch about. And I think he needs to go out there and play, show that he's worth the money. And uh, I think getting him in the 12th round is a great pick for an everyday shortstop second baseman. I think that makes sense. Um, the couple things I'll note about my feelings on Javi Baez, since I've had him for a bunch of times, one, he's very streaky. So you'll see some, you'll see some ups and downs out of him. And uh, he's a hothead. I think sticking him into a lineup in Detroit, Detroit's a bopper, a bopper team, right? They have a bunch of boppers. Whenever anyone goes there, they Correct. hit the ball. And maybe a veteran like Miguel Cabrera can settle the kid down. Not a kid, but settle the guy down. Get him to focus on on the field and on his at bats, and yeah, he could have a breakout season. If the guy, if the kid could learn to take a walk, it could be a big season for him in Detroit. All right, moving on. Biggest reach, biggest reach, I, and I put, I said he is who he is, and Max should know better. Fifth round, fifty eighth pick, Byron Buxton. Yeah, listen, when was the last time Buxton had three hundred at bats in a season? The perennial. Sleeper pick, the perennial prospect, the yeah. perennial. This, this is, is Brian the year. Buxton's the, year. This every is the time. year he does it. He's on that list every year. He's always the name to look out for. And I just think he's the name to look out for to hit the DL. That's what he does. He had 258 at bats last year. You got to, though, admit if he is on the field and the way sure. that he ended the season last year, he's a stud. Absolutely. If he can stay healthy, 
that that could go from your biggest reach to your best value pretty quickly. It could. It could. It could jump. But for now, you got to go on on records, and his record is the, the guy can't stay on the field. So it's unfortunate. And again, strengthening that lineup, you know, in Minnesota. Absolutely. There you go. Could do the kid favors. Best pick. Best pick. Fourth round, 39th pick, Sterling Marte. Great pick. He's going to be leading off a huge Mets lineup. Score 120 runs. Huge. He can stay healthy. Not out of their own possibility. He is a five-tool player. <laughs> yeah. Still, in my opinion. The real kind. He can hit the ball in the park. He had 41 stolen bases last year. He's one of the few guys out there that, like, that guy's going to go 2020. No, without a doubt. And that's just, that's max value. Fourth round. Perfect. Well done. Uh, so good job, Max. Best of luck to you. Hope you do well. I'd like to see you succeed in go this back, league. Go, Max. Go. All right. Moving on. We got our little baby bro. The baby bro. The former commissioner of Galaxy Baseball. Hack and Zachary Bowles. Another guy that I, I thought had a good draft. It was hard for me to find bad drafting. I thought it went well for Zach. In Tulsa. Mind you. So for his best value, I have uh, Zach Gallen as his 13th pick, 153 overall. His ADP was 130, so he got him at a value, especially for for our type of league with all the keepers. This is a guy that could have an under four ERA. He's on a he's on the short list of something like 50% quality starts when he's healthy and taking the mound. Stays healthy, he can get 200 strikeouts. And for a middle middle round pitcher, I think it was a a, a good pick. And this guy, I feel like, could be a quality starts yeah. machine. So getting that guy, kind of guy late in the later on in the middle rounds is definitely value. I definitely agree with that. All right, what do you think Zach's biggest reach was? Now I think his biggest reach was again another pitcher. He took Dylan Cease in the seventh round, eighty one overall. He's a high draft pick, but I don't know if he's really proven that he has the stuff to be consistent enough to have under a, a five ERA. He hasn't shown it yet, at least. And I think when you look at who else was on the board there in the seventh round, uh, Sean Manaya was still on the board. Rondon was still on the board. I just think it was better value out there, pitching-wise, uh, in the seventh round. It's tricky because the dude last year had sure. 226 strikes. He had huge last and year. And that's not something you find with a 3.9 ERA. I don't know. We'll see. His best pick also I have as a pitcher. Second round, 16th pick, Jay Bieber. Again, I put this guy back in, in the in the Lindor class of gonna have a huge, huge year bounce back from injury. And he's I mean, he said he feels healthier than he ever has. And he's 27 years old. Two years ago, he led the league in strikeouts, Cy Young winner. And that's it. He he is ready to go. And he, I think he's going to help keep the Guardians, hopefully, in contention this year, since the front office doesn't seem to want to do anything at the moment. I think it's this Cliff Lee year. I think it's this Kluber year. I think he's 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 cut from the same cloth. All right. Great. Moving on to WandaVision. Uh-oh. Mr. Knows-It-All. Mr. Does-It-All. Mr. Always-There. Adam. The new dad. Schneeberg. The man that keeps me in line. He says something, I jump. Adam says, fix it. I say, yes, sir. Because at the end of the day, he's usually right. Adam says, you're wrong. 
I say, yes, I am. He's always right with everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what, what is, what is Schneeberger's best value? I have it as his best value. Well, this might be controversial, but in the sixth round, he was able to grab Juan Carlo, a.k.a. Mike Stanton. And the sky's always the limit going into the year with the healthy Stanton, in my opinion. Can he stay healthy? He did last year. 510 ABs last year. 35 and 97. And they only added to their lineup, I think. I think that's a heck of a value in the sixth round. I I fully agree. Fifth round. He got sixth him in the round. fifth round. Is that what you said? Sixth round. Sixth, sixth round. That's Yeah, I'd say that's value. Because who he took in the fifth round is actually my biggest reach for Mr. WandaVision at Logan Webb. Fifth round, Logan Webb. Too soon. Last year, he had a great year. Don't get me wrong. But he threw more than 100 innings than he did the year before. Mm. Is he ready to take that next step in inning? production he had a great he had a great year but it just seemed like again more value on the board out there than to take someone like logan webb in the fifth all right schneeberger's best pick was best pick 13th round nelson cruz taking full advantage of the of the nl going to the dh 513 at bats last year could always hit 40 home runs plus i think it's interesting to think He's going into a new division with pitchers that haven't seen him very often. When he got caught up in the in the AL Central rhythm of things, people tend to pick up on how to pitch Nelson Cruz. He still hits 35 home runs, but I think going into a new division is going to give him a chance to take advantage of pitchers that haven't seen him as much as others. 13th, 14th round, a guy like Nelson Cruz getting you 40 home runs. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. That's, that is a value. value. City. Hell yeah, it is. All right, moving along. Moving right along. Two. Good champ. His greatness. His royalness. I'm standing up right now. I'm doing this one standing up. The guy who I don't fucking <laughs> know how he does it has won three years in a row in the most competitive fantasy baseball league in the world. Max, the trophy's at my house, Barton. So... I would like to say I was very pleased to see that Max didn't have the greatest draft. Um, that means absolutely nothing because if, if there's if one of his biggest strengths, if not his, the biggest strength is bolstering his lineup throughout the season, having his finger on those guys that you just don't even know about. And then boom, their greatness. I mean, the guy had one. You look Soto. up at the transaction at 635. He picked up the guy that you want at 915. Yeah, I mean, and, or the guy that you even never even knew existed. <laughs> so props to Max Barton. We can't say enough good things. We all hate him because he wins so much, but in all reality, we all love him. Yeah. Um. So let's let's dive right into to the Bartonator and what what he did in terms of his best value. I think his best value matches who he is. Clayton Kershaw, just solid, always at the top. Twelfth round, one hundred thirty eighth overall. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> He's been a perennial top 10 starting pitcher for who knows how long. A career ERA, 249. 249 whip of one. The only thing, can he stay healthy? He's older. He's not going to get you 200 innings. But the innings he get you are all going to be quality. When the guy is pitching how he's supposed to pitch, he's going to get you six innings. He's going to get you three or less earned runs. 
He's going to get you that quality start. He's not going to go crazy with strikeouts, although he'll throw a t- 9, 10, 11 strikeout game out there. 13th round. Good pick. Yes. But but he reached. He must have reached. In the fifth round, the champ took Alec Manoa. I think it's just too early. He only threw 110 innings last year. Uh, going into last year, he only had six Class A starts. That was it. Unproven. And when it comes to reaches, I hate to see someone reach below an ADP for someone that hasn't really shown their stuff consistently yet. Now, he might be great, but you just don't know. And fifth round, again, just too much value on the board. Uh, best pick. Best pick. Easy peasy, pretty freezy. First round, seventh pick. Going to get you all the stats you need in a lineup that is fucking outrageous. Beast. Unallowed. Beast. Should be unallowed. I don't understand it. But not only is he in that lineup, he's batting third, most likely, in that lineup. So that dude's going to rake. Batting behind Mookie and Trey Turner, dude's going to have some R-B-Izzle potential. Ribbles. All right, moving along. Fernando Mania. Ooh, Mr. Dan Sabe. Oh, my God, I love this. Already suffered the loss of the season so far in losing his star player for at least three to four months. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, it is. It's a shame. At least he was a ninth-round pick. At least he was a ninth-round pick, and he didn't have to waste like a first-round pick on somebody that's not going to play for half the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. But overall, not great. So speaking of value, since that's a good value, good value in his draft, I thought, was a late-round big bopper, Scott Torkelson from Detroit. Again, value. We're talking value. I think if he if he hits, I think he's a great keeper. Area. He played 121 double A AA, triple A games last year and hit 30 and 91. So the guy could write. And a guy not many people probably had their eyes on. I think his biggest reach though was now this guy was the rookie of the year last year, but Jonathan Indian the fifth round, 54th overall, just too soon. This is what it seems like with everybody. Fourth, fifth round, taking someone that they think might reach potential that they don't have proven that they could hit year in, year out. Totally unproven. His ADP was 93, and he took him at 54. And again, I just think just better value on the board. Okay. Well, who's his best pick? Randy Arena, Seventh round, 78th overall. Again, here's a five-category player. Guy could rake. Guy's fast. He's on that 2020 list. His ADP was 58. He got him at 78. And uh, I think that's great value. The kid's streaky. That's the Fed. He is. Who will we see? And he's on the raise. And so he won't have anybody in the stands to cheer him on. But that's okay. He could still The Fed are so good. There's no pressure on the raise because they have no fans. Well, good luck to you, Daniel Sabe. We wish you the best. Maybe one of these years we'll see you at the draft. I don't think anyone's met you in person other than me and Gene. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. He's got those kids, man. He's got those kids. All right, a couple teams left, and then we're good. Mr. Murdoch. I also think Jake had a really good draft. Okay, tell me about it. I have right out the gate his best value. Uh, He got Dansby Swanson in the 14th round. Yeah. Who's going to be right in the middle of that lineup. I mean, world champs. His ADP was 117, and he got him at 164. He was approaching 30 home runs last year. I think he could do it again this year. 
And I think the value in 14th round for him is incredible. Other than the controversy surrounding that pick, in that he drafted another <laughs> player, and I was literally trying to draft Dansby Swanson as all of a sudden Ugh. I see the draft rollback and no longer is on the board. So I will say, a little sketchy, all right? I don't think Murdoch knew at all the controversy that was ensuing when that happened. As the commission, there was no sketch. There was no sketch. He said, I didn't mean to pick that person. He he hit the person's name before his time ran out. He said, I'm being serious. And we rolled him back and he took someone different. So, well, Jeff's just butt. He's just butt hurt. It's okay. <laughs> okay, so who's his biggest reach? <laughs> oh, I have his biggest reach. as another guy I had last year who was, was a complete letdown, in my opinion. Now they've added to their lineup, too, the Phils have uh, Reese Hoskins. Seventh round, 77th overall. The guy had an ADP of 124. I think he had a terrible year last year. He's a big letdown for me. And I think there's better for Rizzo is still on the board. Mountcastle is still on the board. And I just think there's better value out there than Hoskins. Who I personally felt had a shitty year last year, so he pissed me off. Yeah, he had a good year when I had him a couple years ago, but he's one of those guys that's just not quite reached where people thought he was going to reach. He had a couple more bats to that lineup. Who knows? But we shall see. And Jake the Snake Murdoch's best pick of the 2022 draft was... This is the guy that I think might have the biggest bust-out year of all of them. Lucas Giolito. He got him in the third round, 29th overall. Dude's a stud. I think did tear it up this year. Over 200 strikeouts, which is a small, small group. Uh, in the first place, and um, I also think there's a there's a big drop off after Giolito. The next two uh, pitchers taken after Giolito were Barrios and Gosman, and I think they're he's so much higher than those two that it was just a good pick in the moment. I think since he's in a small market and he's and he's he's not in a very highly visible market, he's underrated. But I think he's better than Walker Bueller personally. And the fact that he went almost 10, 12 picks after Walker Bueller did, I think there's value there. So, yeah, I agree with that best pick. He's right there to be the, like the next big guy, pitching-wise. be lovely to see Jake in contention at the end of the season. So we'll, we'll look for that, and maybe one of these years we'll get to actually see him in person at the draft. You know, we'll see. One day. One day. In our dreams. Oh, uh, well, see. Here we go. All right. Let's, let's do this Moving. guy. Here he comes. Moving on to yours truly, who I will say, I felt like I had my hands handcuffed in that I didn't have a first round pick. I didn't have an eighth round pick. I had keepers in the sixth round, seventh round, and 10th round. So my first 10 rounds were fairly brutal. And so my goal going in was just to try to make up for that some way. And so I really went hard at power wherever I could. Um, that was kind of my my goal going in, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not thrilled with my performance, um, but I was dealt a, a a short deck. So let's hear what a you short have deck, to say about. I don't think I think I don't think you took advantage of of the chances that you had. Okay. Okay. Well, let's hear about it. Okay. So your best value, and I'm, I'm I'll say this down. I didn't do. I don't know if I did this with maybe one other person. I have your best value and your best pick is the same person. So for your best value and your best pick, 
I think uh, JT Real Muto, ninth round, 79th overall. I think that's a, mm. a tremendous pick. He's in that Phillies lineup we were just talking about. His ADP was 53. So you got him much deeper in the draft. Well past that. He's a 20-70-340 guy. That's what he did last year. And I also think, the, again, the DH in the coming to the NL is going to add value. He doesn't have to. He's going to get at bats without having to get behind the plate. I think that's going to be humongo for him, which is why I also made it your best pick. Okay. Not, not what I predicted, but I was very pleased that I was able to get him so late in the draft. Who is your best pick in your mind? There's a, there was a couple later round picks that I really like that I think are going to be really good for me. Colton Long is one of those guys. I told you that uh, I'm a big fan of the middle infield, and I sure. noticed I didn't have one. <laughs> and getting Colton Long in the 16th round, I think, was was really strong. Um, and then DeSclafini in the 15th round, I think he's overrated, uh, overlooked. I think he's underrated. I agree with you. I had that down. I think Solaire in the 12th round. Solaire. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. Solaire proves to be a great pick. I know that he just signed with the Marlins. So we'll see. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Well, who was my biggest reach? Your biggest reach. Listen, you and you and Brandon, no first round picks. Early relief pitchers. What are you doing, man? Yeah. Like yeah. last day, I get it. I, he's the, he's, he throws the ball hard. He gets you saves, but his ADP is 50, 81. And you took him at 52. You want power? Joey Gallo was right there for you, spitting and spitting in your eye. And take him. If you recall, shortly before I took Class A, uh, Josh Hader came off the board, and Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks came off the board. Correct. And the last couple of years, I have been left out to dry with closers. So I I will admit that that was definitely a reach, but it was a calculated reach. Okay. If your biggest reach is a calculated reach, then I think that's a good that's a good uh that's a good thing. Okay, I'll take it. All right, two more. We have a Merck, our host of this year's draft. Let's talk about Merck. Let me tell you, Merck had a grin on his face from the beginning of the draft to the end of the draft. It just made me happy. Every time I looked up, there's Merck with a big old grin, just having the time of his life. Could have been the weed and the booze, but who knows? Could have just been happy. <laughs> probably, probably the weed and the booze, but still. <laughs> All right, what do we got for what do we got for Merck? Okay, so jumping into Merck, his best value he got. He had three picks in the eighth round. By the way, yeah, one of them was mine. So this was his second pick, ninety three overall. Jorge Puranco. Um, his, his ADP is 82. He got him at 93, you know, 30, 110 kind of guy possibly. And he was super hot to end the year last year. So I think that's a, uh, that's, that's good value. Yeah. He definitely played above his ceiling last year. So if he can keep that, if he can maintain that new ceiling, then yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a, he could be a, yeah, he could be a, up there again. He, again, yeah, they added to their lineup, Carlos Correa. Which is going to make it a little easier on him. All right. Who did he reach for? His reach was, I think, possibly maybe the reach of the draft. He took Josh Bell. Fifth oh, round, yeah. 51 overall. What are you doing, Merck? Yikes. Not, not Yikes. good. Not good. Yikes. A man, ADP 120. So 70 places above 
what most people are taking this guy at. And I will speak from experience that he might be the streakiest player I have ever had on my team. Now, he's he's a national now. They got Cruz to bat either in front of or behind him. So, again, reaches turn into gems sometimes, but I just think this was... Fair, whew. fair. Hey, listen, fair. Josh Bell. I remember I remember watching. He was on the, the board. Of the draft. Like, Do I take Josh Bell? And No. I took Jose Abreu instead. Who was Mark's best pick? Best pick. Rizzo, eighth round, 86 overall, full season Yankees. That 200-yard right field deck, he's going to serve him up. And people are saying that he, he could potentially lead off, is what they're saying. I mean, just look at what the, I mean, Rizzo, Judge, Stanton, Donaldson, Gallo. I mean, it's not a bad one through five. So he'll get some runs. That's for sure. I think that's his best pick. And it just, it worked out for him. Then he ended up on the Yankees. All right. We got one left. The man with the hair on fire. The best one, in my opinion. Sorry. For those who you who were not in the draft room with us, Noah did bring a 55-inch screen <laughs> monitor that sat on Merck's uh, business room table. Uh, and <laughs> it's massive. Um, but hey. Schneeberger sat five feet from me, and I didn't see him the whole draft. It's, it brings a new name to the big board. Um, but, you know, you had some extra picks early on. You basically <laughs> midway through last season decided it's time to to stockpile for this year. And boy, did you. I did. I think everybody would agree. You probably had the, the draft of the year, the best draft and and came out, you know, looking incredibly strong. Um, did you did you break your break your own draft down? I did a little bit. Absolutely. I got to be as fair to myself as I am to everybody else. My best value, I got uh, a late round in the 13th round, 145 overall, Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. 50% quality start range. His strikeout ratio is 27 and a half. And I think um, I was very happy to get him uh, as late as as late as I did. Was he somebody that you had your eye on? I did. He was on a bunch of lists that I would, that I perused. And so, yeah, I kind of, I had him in my watch list from the beginning. So knowing that it was that range that I wanted to get him. And then he kind of was there in the 13th round and I, and I got lucky. Wow. Yeah, he did. He had a quite the season last year too. So surprised he went so late. Okay. Who would you say it was your biggest reach? There's gotta be somebody. Listen, definitely a big reach for me. And I play by the same rules as everybody else. And I got to play by my own rules. I hate that I took a, a closer in the sixth round. Too Still early. too early. Ryan Presley, sixth round, 72. I felt the pressure of the closer run. And I jumped, and it was just, I broke my own rule. So for that alone. I think you got the, the last tier one closer, though, in the draft. Well, this is because I did. You know. That was my reasoning behind taking him, but at the same time, there's probably a better value out there at, at second base than I needed at the moment. Colton Wong. All right. And who was your best pick? My best pick was the first pick. He was a part of <laughs> the last three championship squads in Gildesy. He is a baller of all ballers. His OBP last year is 465. What the fuck? 465? <laughs> One motherfucking bring me the championship trophy, put it on my deck, and make it happen. Soto, bringing it home. 
I have to say, though, I mean, it is interesting, though, if you're looking at your who you could have picked, which is anybody that was available. Right. I'm a little surprised. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with Juan Soto, right? Like you're going to you're going to get what he what he purports to be right. He's going to get you everything. Correct. But I just feel like Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to get you more production. I mean, I think he's going to get you 10 to 12 more home runs. I think he's going to get you 10 to 12 more RBI. Uh, I think he's going to be in the ballpark in, in OBP. And he's kind of the new uh, Juan Soto, if you will. But that's that's what I have to say. I agree. I agree with what you said. Yeah. I did have Pete Alonso as my keeper. Hence why I didn't take a first baseman. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. I'm glad we ended with you because I think you had the draft of the year. I think that you are well, very that. well positioned to uh to to make a run a run at it. I think that it's just gonna I've been require to you go to go against Gene first round. Just jump right in. I can't the, wait. Feet first. And Let's um, go. This, this podcast is gonna hopefully be maybe bi weekly. I don't know. We haven't decided yet. But we just wanted to bring a little more content to the league, get a little bit of talking on it. We're gonna have everybody on as a guest at one time or another during the season. And uh hope you enjoyed. Thank you to Noah for doing all Thank of the Jeff. research and doing all the work to, that got yep, into this. Man. Thank you to Gene for joining us as a, as our first guest. Um, you can count on Zach Geld being a, a, a regular presence on the podcast as well. And uh, until next time, my friends, we will be talking to you after the beginning of the season and see who starts off strong. Peace out, homies.